Welcome to A Better Civilian Life, podcast for veterans, the place for insight on why you aren't feeling fulfilled with your life after the military and how to change that. I'm your host, Army Veteran and Life Coach, Kelly Forsberg. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. I am joined today with uh, a veteran that I've recently met and he's got such a great story. I'm so excited to share it with you. His name is Dan and I will let him say a little bit more. Hello everyone. Yeah. I, uh, I'm really stoked to be here. I wrote a book, uh, after three and a half years of being a combat engineer in the army about mental health and, and leadership. Um, I served with a lot, with a lot of awesome combat veterans, men and women who've been deployed, who, um, I have not been deployed myself, but they, gave me so much great wisdom on what they learned in combat zones and how to be a leader that cares and loves for others um, while staying tactically aware and staying aggressive. And um, yeah, just the army was such an enriching experience and uh, just here to share the wisdom that they gave me and have the conversation that we all need to have about mental health, leadership, and just being our optimal selves inside and outside, whether it's the workplace or privately on our own lives. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got the pleasure of speaking with you last week and you had a little bit of a different experience, but so much to offer the military. So I know you joined, uh, not at 18, a little bit later, but you already had that go-getter. I've decided I'm doing this like hard things are not impossible kind of mentality about you. And so I think that, that, you know, you fit right in when you got into the military. So as you're coming out, I'd love to hear like what your experience was like on the civilian side the second time around, since you already had a little bit of adult life on that side. Yeah, that's a brilliant question because I had no idea how the military changed me. Absolutely no idea. I thought going in, especially I joined at 32, right? So you can't teach an old dog new tricks, as they say, or in the world of psychology, uh, the neuroplasticity kind of slowed down after my brain kind of solidified at 25. So I thought going in, I, you know, I wasn't going to be too indoctrinated, too changed. Um, but I came out and wow, it was like a night and day difference in, in some amazing ways because the military taught me so much about resilience, so much about being assertive. I was not a very assertive individual before I joined. Um, but in the military, you have to be, you know, you can't, you, if you're a doormat, you're going to get run over quick. Right. And so you learn to, to think fast on your feet, to be prepared, um, to be dependable. You pack everything you need in your ruck. You got to have every item on that packing list. You need to be in the right place at the right time in the right uniform. And, um, there's just so much when I, when I got out of the military, I remember feeling, I guess, maybe frustrated. My frustration levels were high, um, higher than I thought with, with just, I guess, general, like overall, it wasn't anything specifically, but I did feel like there was a disconnect between civilians and myself because I never felt self-conscious about my level of frustration or aggression or whatever it is you'd call it right uh, in the military because we're all kind of on that frequency we're i, I was stationed at a, at a desert location and um, it was a training base and we just man the environment really it made us salty in a way but we vented with each other we understood the level of frustration we had and we kind of um we used that as fuel but civilians being creatures of comfort like i was before i joined 
I noticed that I had to be very careful about the way I spoke to them, um, how I conducted myself or carried myself physically around them, but around veterans, completely at ease. Like I'd, I'd need a, or, or active duty, right? Somebody in the Navy or in, in the Air Force, Marine Corps, whatever branch it was in the Coast Guard. And I, I would just automatically feel at home with them. Like I didn't have to worry about what I'm coming off like, right? And that level of acceptance still to this day, it's, it's been almost a year since I've been out. Um, it makes me joyful. I love it because they feel like family to me and it's instant. I don't know what it is. It's so hard to explain. I thought it was something you'd only get from being in a war zone, but it's not. Um, it's just this connection that I just love being around veterans and active duty members. Um, and being around civilians, I'll, I'll be around them. I'll be friendly, but there's just something missing that's t- tough to explain. Yeah, and you're totally not alone with that. That like instant connection, that feeling of like, have we known each other since kindergarten? Like that mm. kind of experience. Um, just as soon as you find out that someone is a veteran, and and I have um, totally, I've totally come in contact with. Uh, veterans that I didn't know that, like, I did not know that they had served, but I'm like, I like this person and I don't really (laughs) know why. And then it'll, it'll come up kind of later. So I, I want to hear more about, um, that like feeling of being self-conscious about being frustrated because I've heard that as the theme also where, Mm. um, it could come from a couple of different places where it's like, things aren't going the way I expected, or I feel like I want to like control things differently, or I don't know, just say more. So I do jujitsu and I remember going to the mats and I remember feeling it was, and it's so hard. And I've, I've gone through therapy. I have a master's in psychology and still it's hard for me to, to remember, to use my words, to explain a feeling state. Right. So I'm, I'm feeling a little charged up energetic right it feels the fight flight is stimulated um but it's so hard for me to put into words why i truly didn't know why but what was so cool i almost i don't want to say i almost got in a fight with somebody on the mats but i was being overly aggressive um to this from what this person perceived and i apologized i um i corrected myself but then i went and spoke with my coach and who's an army veteran and there's a lot of veterans at this this gym I was um, I train at, and he pulled me aside and said, "Look, you just got out, right?" And I said, "Yeah, but you know, I haven't been to war. I haven't I haven't really done much. I mean, there's so many people that are way cooler than me that have done way more than I have. Um, so I kind of downplayed that aspect. And uh, he said, "Look, you know, when you get out, there's going to be a tough transition for all of us because you're not a civilian anymore. I mean, you're a veteran. It's different." And he said, "This is really common for people getting out of the service." So he said, what we'll do is you pull me aside whenever you show up and you're feeling what you feel right now, I'll beat you up on a side mat. And he meant that in love. Um, And he said, we'll get that frustration. We'll get that anger out privately. um, And then we'll get back on the mats together and join the class. And he said, this is something basically I, I like to do with other veterans. And he completely validated, you know, that frustration and he let me kind of honor it. Right. And I, and I tell people to this day, especially service members who are in right now, don't ever apologize for your aggression. Just simply learn how to appropriately throttle it. Don't feel ashamed of it. Don't feel because we're human, you know, you can't shame biology. And so, um, 
that was kind of my first experience with with having somebody else, a veteran who's been through it, love on me and verbally explain what was going on. And the best part, saying, I will be there with you through it. That's like the primal connection that I got through jujitsu. Um, and there's a bit of that in the military as well. I wish there was more like hand-to-hand combatives and whatnot in the military, but this was a fusion of both of those things. A veteran who also grapples and he set me straight. He, he, he helped me kind of embrace the, the change. That, oh my gosh, that's like kind of those stories of, you know, that one teacher, that one mentor that like really helped you through it. He sounds like one of those integral people to help you like get through that. I, I wish that there was a him for everybody's transition. Cause that is, that really is so valid. Just- you know, it's funny. You say that every time I see him at the gym, I bear hug him. I mean like unashamedly, like we're talking full, just bear squeeze because I, that he saw me in that moment right there. Um, and I teared up in front of him, you know, when we were, when he was explaining what was going on in my mind, it was so cool. And I, I love him for that. He's wow. What a cool, I, again, I wish more people had that. And I wish my younger self had that before I joined, there's, there's a lot to be said about mentorship, especially between men. Um, when, when a guy has, I mean, you see, you hear this a lot, especially in like social work and mental health about people who are in prison, right. Incarcerated because they have all these levels of aggression and no male mentor. So a gang shows up or a bad male role model, which is some people I've, you know, had in my life who will say, Oh, I know what you can do with that energy. I know what you can do with that aggression. You can use it to hurt other people and get ahead in life. Right. But then here's somebody who says, no, you know, or I'm going to, I'm going to help you shape that. Um, and you're going to handle it responsibly, which is what warfare is, right? Warfare is violent. It's lethal. People die in, in battle as a part of the job to kill people and to be killed. I mean, you sign a contract at 18 years old when these 18 year olds join, that's a will who's going to get their SGLI, you know, their life insurance. Um, it's, it's no joke. It's, it's not a small thing. And to have somebody walk alongside you and say, I will coach you through this. I'll walk with you through this. I'll be with you. I'll, I'll be someone you can contact. I mean, talk about loyalty, you know? And, um, again, I just, yeah, sorry. That, that was a huge ramble, but it was hugely impactful. Like that was an amazing moment. And I hope to do that for others, um, as I speak to them too, and encourage them and write a book about it. Um, yeah, Yeah. it's it's so So important. The next step. So you've got this incredible mentor. We're learning how to like take that charged up energy and put it somewhere. But then what? So I think the honorable thing to do and the correct thing to do is to find other men and women like us who need that message. Go share that with others. I think that's the life-giving part of this is, I mean, look at the veteran community. There's so many people. There's so much love out there. There's so much research. There's so many resources um, it is a family. And I think having these discussions, like what you're doing right now, you creating this space for someone like me and nobody to show up and talk about some obscure book that I wrote. I mean, it's really cool because it feeds this forward momentum and this evolution of our, our next generation of troops who will go in. Because as we come out of the military and we speak about these things and help each other, we can coach the new generation going in. Hey, this is how you become more resilient, have more robustness for your mental health going in, have the words to explain your emotions, have the words to understand your levels of aggression and your fight flight response, all of that, right? So when they go in and, and if they ever do experience warfare and see people die and they themselves get wounded, hopefully 
the hope is that they will have such a resolve to to stay committed to the mission and and to the folks that they're serving with the men and women they're serving with that even through that hellish time that they can continue to to find some way to nurture growth and stay resilient and that's that's the weird part about war is when people talk about you know some of the truest love they've ever felt in their life happening on the battlefield between them and those they served with um seeing themselves overcome nightmarish situations that they'd never think they would live through um my army dad the nco who mentored me in the army told me stuff that no human should have gone through stuff he saw in iraq you know on his first few deployments as a young specialist and uh man that again that just that's wisdom that should be shared with others and it's such an honor getting to hear these stories from them um so that's that's the goal is just continue the discussion i'm just a small a small drop in an ocean of of people's wisdom right now you know yes. i haven't created the wheel i'm just i want to talk about it you know i feel the same way and i think that's why that these stories and these chats are so important because um you know i kind of feel the same way where i'm like oh like i'm 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 just a nobody not as like um that's not like negative talk on myself i just mean like I'm just a human like everyone else. Mm -hmm. I just happen to have an experience in the military. And what I want everyone listening to hear is that just because you are a nobody or like a, a somebody that no longer has a uniform on, that doesn't mean that you have nothing to offer. And it doesn't mean that you're not capable of being that leader or that mentor for someone else, because your story might be exactly what they need to hear in order mm. to like fuel and, um, help them navigate their own space. And I think on that note about being in uniform, you know, we're taught that, that like when you're in uniform and you're in a unit, you're, you're one of the group, right? You're not going to rise above them. Even so I was in as an officer, right? That didn't give me a right to stand above others. I'm still in my mind. Yeah. A leader's going to stand out a little bit, but, but what I'm saying, when I say I'm a nobody, I guess I want to blend in with them. I want to stand up among them as one of them, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to ever stand like in front of a crowd, especially combat veterans, right. And say, Oh, here's all the wisdom I have because they earned it through their own blood, right? They literally lost body parts. They've lost friends. They've almost lost their lives. They contemplate taking their lives. I mean, I've served with these folks, right? Um, who battle these demons so quietly that you would never see that. On the surface, they look so put together and so sharp, but then you get to know them intimately and as brothers and sisters, and you hear about what they struggle with. And it just makes me wanna love on them more. And so they're the somebody in my mind you know what I'm saying? Uh, let, like, let me be the nobody and yeah. Okay. Write a book and share their story for them, but they're the rock stars, you know, they're the heroes in my eyes. And I know they'd hate that word, but, um, that's how I look up to them. It's, it's so cool. Just hearing the stuff they've gone through. Um, like, you know, the NCOs that I got to hear about their war stories and stuff they opened up with me. It's just, wow. How could you not want to love them more for that? You know? Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned like, they hate the word hero. Cause I've like, I, I know what that's it's cringy like. to them. Right. Even, you know, it's, it's... Yeah. <laughs> even to be like, you know, thanks for your service. It's like, it's a difficult thing to receive sometimes. Cause, and I'm speaking from my own experience, but 
Like I felt like I didn't do enough. Like there's a, mm. there's more to be done. Yeah. I, I want to help more. I want to do more like mm. how there's, there's a bigger, greater mission in the military and I want to be a bigger piece of it. And, mm. um, yeah, that's really important. I'd like to, I want to go back. I want to hear you, um, in all your wisdom, talk more about this fight or flight response from a veteran perspective on like, as we've entered into civilian side, like you feel yourself come up with this experience. Yeah. So I, um, man, I, I had my own issues. I write about it in the book, uh, about childhood issues and it came out in jujitsu on the mat. So I started having flashbacks. I didn't know what they were. Um, it's a form of like CPTS where it's basically, um, for, as a child, I dissociated from events that happened to me. And then in jujitsu, it brought me back into my body. And so I'd, I'd freeze, I'd have a freeze response because as a child, my motor responses were offline and that's what happened to me. So I had to go see a therapist and ask like, what the heck is happening? Cause my coach saw it. People saw it on the mats. Like I would freeze. I wouldn't be able to execute the move. And I was sharing this stuff, the, the anxiety, the, the hyperventilation, the, the hypervigilance, situational awareness, the, the weight on my stomach, the kind of like consistent tape playing in my mind over and over and over again about self-shame and inadequacy and all this stuff, right? And I was sharing it kind of just like I am with you. And then um, a buddy of mine who, who was an NCO, uh, who is an NCO currently and who served in multiple combat deployments, uh, he started tearing up. I looked at him and I, you know, saw his eyes were watering. I'm like, what is going on? And he said, uh, you know, you just explained all the feelings I've had since my time in Iraq, like stuff that I think about every night about what I feel. I'm hearing screams of people who, who were getting shot at and um, situations he was in where he felt helpless to help them. And uh, of course, then I started like tearing up too. And we both had this moment of like, wow, we're um, quite similar. And it was it was all based on the the neurophysiology of of our experiences like we had different battles right i battled something else he he battled an actual battle in war and yet um our nervous systems reacted identically and i he was able to be seen in that moment like that validation what was so cool is the validation that he received it it, it brought life into his his body into his eyes and he said you know, there's stuff I want to tell you. I've never told a therapist. I've never told, you know, my spouse, I, my family doesn't know. I've, and, and I'm like, you sure? Like you, you want to tell me this stuff? And he said, yeah, because you, because you know the feeling that I have. And I haven't really shared this with somebody before. And again, this in my eyes is a hero telling me that. And, you know, he said, um, he asked, can I, can I talk to you for the next, you know, whatever time we're, we spend together, do you mind if I open up to you about more and more stuff as it comes up? I'm like, oh, of course you can. Like, bro, yeah, man. But how, I, I told him, I said, if it gets to a point where, because he struggled with suicidality and stuff, you know, and and I said, uh, if it ever gets to that point, promise me you're going to call someone, like an actual practitioner, because I can't provide that to you, like illegally. You know, I, I want you to have someone you can go. But of course, as a friend, I'll be here for you. Mm -hmm. But what a weight um for both of us to carry do you know what i mean oh um, yeah that's huge that forever changed my life and he's a big reason why i wrote my book for sure it's amazing so what what advice do you have for anybody who's thinking about getting out or who's newly on the civilian side mm. have a mission you know to help others don't don't let that angst be like repressed that you if if you indeed feel that um if you 
If you feel you want that connection, go for it, find it. I don't care if it's through sports. I don't care if it's through like, you know, business groups, mentorship, find a way to stay connected and enrich your life by enriching others because it, it feeds your soul when you talk to somebody, especially, um, cause I was an officer, right. And I, I love the lower enlisted. Like to me, they're the most, I always tell them this. I say, you're the most important person in this brief, in any brief. Don't ever let an officer talk down to you because if you're E1 and you show up and you're willing to get shot in the face first for us, the officers who have a mission set, we can't talk down to you and tell you, you're going to go do this. You're going to go do that. Because I mean, to me, that's mind blowing. Why would I do that? I'm not the one that's willing to take those bullets for our nation first, right? It's, it's the enlisted folks that are on the ground first. And so by me getting to just say this to them, I mean, I've seen their, Again, I've seen their faces light up and these young 18 year old kids in the Navy and in buds and different pipelines that I've gotten to meet. Um, and they just will tell me like, Hey, thanks for, thanks for saying that. Like, thanks for teaching me about leadership because there's stuff I've felt in my gut. Like I felt these feelings and I didn't know what was off, but you just explained that to me. Like when I'm talked to as an adult, when I'm fed, when I'm enriched and, and poured into by a leader, fired up for them but when they you know talk down to me and condescend um i don't want to serve with them i don't want to help them out like forget them right and so that and that brings so much joy to my life having these conversations right and i want other veterans to have that there's no reason for anyone to hoard that right we should give that it's a gift to give other people um and not to be soapboxy about it that's the thing it's just to be real just to be um just lead with love. I mean, I know that's so corny uh, for people to hear, I'm sure, but the, the troops know when you love them and they'll die for you in war. That's why I don't think we should be ashamed of that word love because they're willing to sacrifice their lives. So again, when someone's willing to do that, how, how could you not respond with love? That's like the utmost respect for them, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today and just sharing your thoughts and opening your heart out for this podcast. This, this is awesome. So how this can this help to me too? Thank you. Yeah. So how can we, um, what's your book called? Where can we find it? And how can we <laughs> more? Yeah. So the book's called backpack to rucksack, um, insight into leadership and resilience by military experts. Um, it's on my website for your preview. If anyone wants to view the PDF, there's the first three chapters. Um, it's the website's combat psych. So combat and then psych.com. Um, I would just emphasize that the introduction to the book was written by my soldier who survived his suicide attempt. Uh, it's his word of advice and encouragement to those struggling. The gentleman who wrote the forward to the book had uh, 13 men from his unit commit suicide after Afghanistan. Uh, the 12, 12 of them killed themselves before I wrote my book which is just insane. Uh, and then after the book was published, he called me and said, Hey, the, uh, 13th one just killed himself. So this is, I mean, nobody, it's just hard to put into words how much that hurts hearing that my friend also has struggled with that in the past. Um, it's, it's hard to put into words why somebody feels so trapped that again, they'd have a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem, right? But that's in the, in the world of neurophysiology, I'll tell you this, and I do quote some research in my book, but this is important for service members to know. There's, a, there's parts of your brain 
structural parts like the anterior cingulate. They're, they're actual parts of your brain that help dictate time, help understand and feel time. When somebody is suicidal, they've done functional MRIs that show a lack of blood flow to the anterior cingulate and these other components of the brain, including the prefrontal cortex. So it puts them in an out of body, out of time experience, meaning the depression feels infinite. It feels forever. Um, they don't have a sense that this ends tomorrow, that this shoot, this too shall pass because neurophysiologically, the brain is not firing in that specific part of the brain, right? So it's not their fault. Um, they shouldn't feel ashamed of that. Nobody should feel ashamed of suicidal thoughts. It's literally neurocircuitry. There are circuits in the brain and we don't study this enough. You know, we need to get the word out to veterans. That's what I want to do is let people know. Um, it's not just, we're not just talking touchy feely, warm, fuzzy feeling, you know, it's not just all, all this stuff that people hate, right. Um, when they talk about being hard and being tactical and being aggressive, like, oh, I don't want to talk about feelings. Well, let's talk the science. Let's talk the hard wiring of your brain because that adds emphasis to it. And it takes all the shame and the stigma out of it when it comes to mental health. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. And we will definitely check your book out. So combatpsych.com. Thanks. Yep. Thank you all.